You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and joining me as always is my good friend Frank Men. And bringing you today's episode is Draft. Our friends over at Draft have uh, been great new sponsors for us, and we're happy to have them. And we want to remind you that you can go check them out at, uh, in whatever app store you need to go to. You can download their app, um, or you can check them out on Twitter at PlayDraft, or you can uh, just head over to draft.com and it is daily fantasy it is easy it is one night only and it is what makes it different is only one team in your league can have certain players so you do a live snake draft and that can be i mean to me it's a little bit more exciting because then you don't have to worry about oh well did eight other people pick this person well no it's only it's only the one person that has each player. So uh, kind of exciting and uh, a fun thing to do. So head over to Draft and check that out today. Use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S or L-O-B-U-C-K-S for Lockdown Bucks to get a free play on your first deposit over at Draft. So go check that out today. Frank, the Bucks. I don't even know. I thought I was going to have some snappy uh, pun there about not depositing enough on the defensive end, but I'm too frustrated. The Bucks lose 124-119, uh, post a defensive rating of 127.4, and yeah, waste a 40-point performance from Yastetokounmpo. They waste a 20.11 assist a performance from Chris Middleton, a 22.6 assists, five rebound performance from Malcolm Brogdon, and a 16-point performance from Mirza Teletovic. All wasted uh, just because they were not able to do what they needed to do defensively. And uh, before, I guess, before we did our emergency pod, I was going to say our last pod, but before we did our emergency pod, our last pod before that, I had mentioned that I'd probably be okay with this game if they ended up losing, but defensively they looked okay. Well, they did not look okay defensively, so I am not okay with losing this game to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, they allow a season-low 18 three-pointers attempted by the Cavs. Um, you know, J.R. Smith did get hot. I think he hit 5 out of 7 on the way to Cleveland, hitting 9 out of 18 total. Um, but, you know, if you told me coming into this game that the Bucks. What, what, what did the Bucks hit? Thirteen three pointers, I think, something like that. Yep, um, thirteen of thirty. Yeah, I mean, if you told me coming into this game that the Bucks would win the battle of the three point line by twelve, um, and I feel like I said I constructed a similar a similar argument in <laughs> a few days ago when yep. they played Charlotte. Um, but if you told me that, I would say, wow, that is a great indicator for the Bucks coming out with a win. But um, as as happened many times so far this season, the Bucks, even when they do prevent three point 
barrages from dooming them or um, at least, you know, again, you know, run guys off the line. Um, those guys seem to be running then straight to the basket and getting easy baskets. And, um, you know, tonight fouls were once again a huge problem. Uh, what They were outscored, I think, by 21 points at the free throw line. And um, we'll talk a little bit about Jason Kidd. And, um, you know, I think there was a lot of frustration with fans, that, especially with some of the rough play. Uh, I thought this was a very unevenly officiated game. Um, you know, Giannis fouls out. He... There were some plays where I think he probably could have gotten called for fouls that he didn't, and then other plays where he could have drawn fouls, and they didn't get calls. And yep. so I think both teams were probably frustrated. But, you know, look, when you when you once again are at such a huge deficit from the foul line, I think they're, you know, it's like the old thing. Like, is it one or the other? Well, it's usually both. And I think in this case, it's, again, the Bucks now are showing, once again, this is not a new habit. They cannot, you know, basically play defense without fouling. And, you know, again, schematically, they're chaotic style of defending puts them in bad positions. And so they get caught fouling a lot. And, you know, unfortunately there are going to be nights as well where they probably don't get officiated maybe as, as fairly as you'd like. And, um, you know, again, I think, you know, we talked about it the other night in Detroit, it's ridiculous that Giannis would take 27 shots and only get to the line twice tonight. He got to the line more, but overall as a team, um, you know, again, nobody really being able to draw fouls and, you know, that huge disparity is, you know, basically the difference bucks were, you know, the better team in the paint. Um, Cleveland did handily win the battle of mid range, which, you know, in theory is a place that you, you, you want the other team trying to beat you from D Wade had like a couple of like long turnaround jumpers in the first half, which when he hit those, I thought, Oh God, like if those are going in, you know, there's no way, there's no way this bucks defense has any chance of doing anything. Cause it's not like, again, they're not taking anything away on yeah. any given night. So, you know, if, if those, if the shots you want them to shoot are even going in, then, then you're in trouble. So, um, again, the Bucks defense, you know, after Detroit, um, I think they've given up 115 points per 100 or more in four straight games now. Um, I think the Charlotte game and this game were the two obvious games where your offense did absolutely everything that should be needed to win a game and your defense somehow, you know, snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And, you know, again, I mean, I guess at least the Cavs are super talented offensively. So, you know, maybe a little more excuse there, but the Cavs have been an absolute mess. Their defense has been even worse than the Bucks up until now, at least. Uh, and well, I mean, you know, they this, did give up 122 yeah, per 100 possessions, so right. it was still up, very bad tonight. Yeah, they they lived up to their terrible defensive uh, record. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I did not expect the Bucks. I mean, as as bad as the Cavs have, have been, did I expect the Bucks were actually going to win tonight? No, I, I just I just don't I I don't have confidence that you know the coaching staff has 3 days to work on pick and roll defense and try to fix whatever has been illing them you know like fouling and all this other stuff and they come back and it's the exact same problems and the defense is even worse and yes lebron is awesome blah 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 but um you know it's just like what faith should we have that these guys are going to figure it out and it, you know i tweeted out after the game this is you know, year four of the Jason Kidd era, they have never had more defensive talent. They have never had, you know, fewer uh, guys to blame bad defense on. There's nobody on this roster right now that you can blame bad defense on in terms of talent. And, you know, scheme, execution, nothing is working right now. And, you know, again, you're just going to over and over now we're just seeing they're wasting even these really good offensive nights and and this is why i again as much as people sometimes like to complain about the offense i i think the offense is a bit of a red herring as far as the problems go i think mm -hmm. at least you can see how that works and Giannis is so good and he was you know we got to talk about him in a moment but um 
you know, they're going to be nights where they have enough talent and they're just going to blow the doors off other teams' defenses. But my God, if you can't win those games, um, you're just making your life so hard. And, and again, you know, Eric Bledsoe hopefully gives them a shot in the arm, but, you know, a good defensive point guard is, is not going to turn around a defense that after tonight's game is slumped to 28th in defensive rating. So, um, you know, again, I, I, we had this at the, at, you know, the midway point last year as well. Like, what's it going to take at this point? You know, um, what, what message is the coaching staff going to give these guys? That's going to help, help them figure it out. I I just, I mean, if it, if it hasn't happened yet, I don't, I don't know, but, um, it's just really frustrating to watch. And, um, Jason Kidd didn't seem to do much during the game when the officiating was bad. I know some people were frustrated about that because he doesn't really react much. Um, but you were watching some of the post game and I guess he had some interesting comments post game, uh, perhaps to try to make up for that. Yeah, I tweeted it out as well. And you can head over to the FS Wisconsin uh, Twitter feed and and grab that uh, as well. But he he said he talked about how it's been terrible thus far i think i can't remember the, the exact offici- you're talking about the officiating yeah right? the officiating has been terrible thus far I, I think the number was something like 95 to 40 is the free throws in the last three games or something of that nature uh tonight i know for sure because i'm looking at the stats that it was 38 to 16 uh he complained about that and then uh matt velasquez kind of redirected and asked well okay in those situations do you do you attempt to, you know, some coaches believe in getting a technical. Is that something you believe in or try to do? And he said, well, all night I was voicing my opinion about how poorly I thought it was officiated. Uh, so, so I did that, and he's like, and well, the other way is to get yourself fined, and I'm pretty sure I just did that. Uh, and then, again, he's like, but, you know, some of the crews we've had this season have, have been, t- I think, have been awful, I think was the exact wording. Yeah. Uh, so he, again, like I know I tweeted something out about uh, it was the Wade block, quote-unquote, on Giannis, uh, where I think a shoulder block, a tackle, I'm not sure what you want to call it, uh, but I know Dwayne Wade is good at blocking shots. He's maybe the best shot blocker as a shooting guard of all time. Uh, but that was definitely a foul. And in, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, that's it, it's been enough tonight. Like that's that's a spot where you can go get the technical. You're going to stop the fast break. You're only going to give them one point because uh, they already have the ball anyways. That's a spot where you just go out and get yourself a technical. Uh, decided not to do it there, but uh, decided to try to do it in the post game uh, with all that. So uh, it's it, it's something like you said where yeah, I, I agree that you do need to stand up for your players and you do need to find a way to start getting a better whistle for Giannis. Uh, but tonight it wasn't maybe as bad as it's been other nights. The other night where where he shot two free throws. Okay, that night is when you lose your mind. Uh, but tonight where John Henson and Thumbmaker are just hacking Close. all the time, like just, just jumping at every three-point shooter, uh, jumping when they're trying to block shots, just totally out of position. I can understand not going after an official tonight, but it, it is certainly a two-fold problem. Maybe they're not getting the kindest whistle, but also – they're following all the time, and uh, like you'd mentioned, this scheme—you are so 
it's supposed to be what controlled chaos kind of that you're always going to be closing out really hard and trying to run guys off the line and i think so often what that happens is we talked about this last i guess over the weekend you don't actually try to make a quality closeout in this defensive scheme like you just run as fast as you can try to get there and then if someone gives you a quick shot fake and a dribble well you put your arm out and a bunch of the time that's going to get called because it's a clear grab Officials can see it, and it's going to be a quick fall. And, yeah, the, I think there, there is some some systemic issues that are going to cause you to fall a little bit more. And uh, we've certainly seen that in this season. And then uh, on top of that, you add you add in the fact that John Henson and Thom Maker are not the, the most uh, strong guys, the, the most well-built big men, and... Well, they're going to try to make up for some of that uh, lack of bulk with, you know, jumping around and trying to block shots and use their length. And, well, that, that leads to fouls for both of those guys. Uh, so uh, defensively, a mess again. Obviously, the fouls aren't going anywhere or haven't gone anywhere in the last four games. I think, to me, one thing that we've talked about now the last couple nights is seen uh, pick-and-roll defense executed poorly to start the game, and then once it is poorly executed, it just goes... There seems to be a a lack of buy-in at that point where instead of continuing to attempt to execute what they're supposed to do, they'll just get lost in no-man's land. Or they'll be really lazy in their initial assignment and then try to make up with it with a block or something. So it just kind of is this this problem that starts in one way and then molds into another problem. And I'm not sure if I'm more offended by the initial assignment not working because we've seen it not work. Or if I'm more offended by once the initial assignment works, those players stop doing their assignment and just do whatever they please they're both uh, offensive to me watching them um but i'm not sure which one necessarily bothers me more and it it just turns into this sloppy mess of a a total lack of execution paired with a scheme that doesn't really make a ton of sense and you're just kind of in a spot where you're giving up what was it 127.4 points per 100 possessions and yeah, it, it's really ugly and awful. Um, but I will say this, Frank. I would like to stop talking about the defense because it infuriates me and instead talk about something that I love, and that thing is Draft. Draft is the daily fantasy basketball app that we absolutely love. They are new sponsors, and we couldn't be happier to have them. And the exciting thing with Draft is that you get to do a real live snake draft with other people just like you do in your normal season long leagues and again i mentioned it at the start of the show but it's fun because you don't have to worry about oh did everyone else in in the league also pick Giannis tonight and spend all of their uh, allotted dollars on that or, or whatever it is for other apps uh and instead you 
get to just have a live snake draft and it's so easy it's so simple the draft takes i don't know maybe five minutes i think we got one done in the other day we're going to set up another league again uh tomorrow because obviously we're recording this tuesday night but we'll have it ready tomorrow since it is a draft wednesday here on the locked on basketball network so everyone is doing it everyone in the locked on family is doing draft on wednesdays and so are we and here's how it works it's a draft that takes just just one night and there's no management just set it and forget it you draft there's no trades there's no waiver wire all you got to do is just take a couple minutes draft a team and you're all ready to go there's no worrying about injuries uh or anything else so you just have to take a couple minutes and get it done you can join one right now and the best part play for cold hard cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's literally a draft for everyone no salary caps play in a real live snake draft just like you play with your friends in a season-long league come and join us on draft today download the app anytime just search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on draft.com whatever you want for a limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit but you have to use our promo code l-o-b-u-c-k-s again that's l-o-bucks for locked on bucks that's right play a real money game for free just for using our promo code l-o-bucks on your first deposit on draft Frank, I mentioned I was done with talking about the defense. Now I'm done talking about draft. And now I want to move on to talking a little bit about the offense and some uh, career nights from Chris Middleton and Giannis Dettacumbo. Uh, Well, I mean, career, I mean, uh, we saw Chris's career night in the in two games ago in, in another loss, right, where he scores 43. Yeah. And tonight he... Played really well. Um, eleven assists, distributor. Is a career Ele- high. yeah, eleven assists, career high. Giannis um, didn't hit his career high. Finishes with forty. Um, you Top know, three s- high hyper efficient. Um, got out in transition. I think the Cavs, you know, disinterest in transition defense and just <laughs> kind of in- inability to get back um, was was on display. The Bucks actually did get you know some steals and were able to get him the ball on the go. Where um, you know we maybe haven't seen that as much as we like. I thought I thought the uh, the play near the end of the third quarter where um, Kyle Korver got the ball or, or Giannis got the ball on the wing and Kyle Korver just sort of tried to take a charge and Giannis <laughs> just like hesitated for a half second just went right around him with one big step um that was pretty and uh yeah i mean it was it was obviously great to see Giannis, you know again kind of on the national stage in in cleveland on a game where he knows that the microscope is going to be on him because he's playing against lebron um you know he came out really aggressive and um especially in that second third quarters just really got going you know 10 points in the first quarter 11 points in the second quarter 15 in the third the Cavs started to kind of double team him a little bit more you know did a a little bit more to take the ball out of his hands in the fourth quarter so i would he take like one or two shots total in the yeah, fourth quarter much. um also had so, five fouls for much of the yeah quarter. yeah i was playing with that fifth foul which he got early in the quarter that you know it certainly impacted the way he was playing had to kind of ramp down his, his defensive aggression uh and then fouled out in the last minute but um he was sensational you know and and you know the only downside obviously aside from the fouls um he gets credit with eight turnovers tonight um you know, three right off the bat early, two of them on these, you know, little entry passes they make to the center kind of standing at the top of the arc. Um, you know, again, trying to trying to set up for handoffs and, and sort of like some actions like that. And, you know, again, the point guard or Giannis in this case usually kind of dribbles to the left, you know, left wing and then throws that little kind of little floats that entry pass Kevin Love on the first one probably fouled John Henson but ends up, you know, Henson doesn't hold his position. Giannis just lays it out there a bit too lazy, just 
you know, Love steals it. And then basically same thing happens uh, with Thon again, you know, and, and just, you know, I think you tweeted it. It's just bad on both sides. Like Giannis, you can't just lob it to these guys and those yeah. guys have to hold their position better. I mean, Jesus Christ, like it's making, you know, a, a, four, a four foot pass, um, you know, and then other stuff, you know, like he had one where he gets the ball slapped off him and I, I'm not even sure it went off him, but it got ruled uh, to be off him in transition. I mean, that's obviously the kind of aggression you want to see from him. Um, and I will uh, know teams are doing a much better job with that lately. Like each of the, I think each of the last three or four games, we've yeah, seen Stanley someone Johnson had one or two. Yeah. And I think I know what happened in the Charlotte game. I can't remember who got it. Uh, either way, teams are starting to kind of know that they're going to get euroed and like their only hope is, Okay, someone from the be- from behind, try hard enough that you can you you'll get beat by Giannis in transition, but you'll be close enough behind him that you can attempt a swipe of the ball as a Euros. And teams have gotten, uh, I would say, I don't even know if they'd be steals, but at least getting it knocked off Giannis and getting it their way and turning it into turnovers, which is strange because it, it seems like Giannis, I mean, has I mean, he does have such monstrous hands that. I feel like that would be difficult, uh, but again, probably just a, another part of the learning curve. So, sorry. Yeah, and I thought the thing I liked most about what I saw from Giannis tonight was, you know, he ended up getting a lot of touches in the post, um, either because, you know, he he was guarded by a guy who was a fair bit smaller. I mean, Jay Crowder is not a small man, but obviously there's a clear size advantage, height advantage there, which we saw also in Milwaukee, where he just had Crowder bouncing off him going to the basket. Um, and tonight they were able to get Giannis uh, consistently against smaller guys. And I, I, what I loved about him tonight was he was always going towards the rim. And, yeah. you know, we've seen this, especially where he hits like an early jumper. Um, he starts to get, to get a little bit in that mode, which he saw in Detroit, which is partly why he, you know, shot 13 out of 27 and not a higher percentage is, you know, maybe hits an open jumper and, and kind of gets in a little bit of a mode there and then starts to settle for kind of step back shots and fadeaways from the post. And obviously it's great to, to build that into your game, to have that in your toolkit, which we've seen more and more. But to see him tonight really using drop steps, uh, baseline, spin moves, um, you know, different ways to get to the middle and get him to spots where, you know, if he's taking a jump shot, it's like a four foot little flip shot and not like a a faded away, which, you know, he took one early in the game that he was way short on and, uh, and then really kind of got aggressive, got going to the basket. And, um, you know, what, what did he finish tonight? Like 16 out of 20 or something like that. 16 out of 21. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so tremendous efficiency from him again tonight. And, um, you know, again, uh, teams like Cleveland, they don't have Tristan Thompson right now. They have no rim protection. And this is the result. You know, people can say, oh, you know, Giannis without a three-point shot didn't even take one tonight. Isn't that strange that he's able to be so effective? But, well, with other teams going similar directions, trying to be, you know, shooting-based and playing smaller defenders, the Cavs had nothing. I mean, they could have tried to be maybe more aggressive doubling him, but, you it's, know... Uh, that thought is something that you say just looking at stats, but if you watch 48 minutes, I don't think you ever feel that, right? Like, I've never once thought, like, man, it's strange that he doesn't have a three-point shot because he's just so insanely skilled and talented that he can just get to where he wants, and he can shoot 16 of 21 against a poor defensive team because... They can't keep him out of those places. So I, that one, I just kind of always laugh at that one because it is like, just I know there's some cognitive dissonance there that it is strange that someone could dominate the game like that and score so many points without a three-point shot. But the moment you watch him play, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where it's like he is more like a big guy who just also happens to be able to 
dribble like a guard. Yeah, <laughs> yep. like he can dribble in like those freakish. spots. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I mean, again, this was another, you know, a plus sort of offensive night from Giannis, you know, with the exception of some of the turnovers. But uh, again, when a guy shoots 16 out of 21, I mean, yeah, you can tolerate some more turnovers. And, you know, again, I don't think it was necessarily uh, all his fault. So, um, so yeah, I mean, Giannis was great. And then Chris, Chris Middleton is now your team leader in assists, by the way. Chris is now up to uh, 19.1 points, six rebounds and five and a half assists per game. You mentioned the career high 11 assists. I thought he did a really nice job of facilitating, especially in that fourth quarter with um, when the Bucks kind of went away from Giannis a little bit. The Cavs took Giannis out of the game a little bit. Um, you know, Chris did a nice job. He had a difficult three. You know, he actually, you know, he's making some plays. Um, certainly the three-point shot I was, is... I was going to say, I was insanely impressed with Chris down the stretch because Giannis had those five. So they defensively, it was Chris that had to cover LeBron. And again, I don't know how effective he was against LeBron. I don't think he was that effective. But covering LeBron is covering the greatest, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, so it, it's difficult, and it's physically demanding, and he's just a monster of a man. So Chris was doing that defensively. And then offensively, like you said, the Cavs did a, a nice job keeping Giannis out of it. Also, I think they might have been a little, the Bucks might have been a little bit worried. Okay, he has five fouls. Do we want him having the chance to, to pick up that, that sixth one? Because he had picked up, had he picked up, I think he picked up one or two offensively um, in the game. So I, I think there, there's always a little bit of concern there once Giannis gets that fifth foul and how effective can he be? And the Bucks keep, they kept being able to get uh, Love to switch on to Middleton. And then eventually the Cavs just said, okay, Love's just going to cover Middleton. And Middleton just kind of, I, I thought he, what he really did a nice job was he had that ISO look all the time. And I think oftentimes when Chris sees a big on him and he gets an ISO, it's probably a step back or it's probably a mid range. And he doesn't get all the way in, he doesn't go all the way to the basket. And I thought he was doing a nice job getting to a spot where the double would come and then finding someone else. So there was a couple nice ones to Brogdon. He had the nice pass to John Henson. Uh, he had a couple nice passes to John Henson tonight. Uh, and I just thought that there was some nice manipulation there. Obviously, he doesn't have the most efficient night shooting. 8 of 17 uh, from the field for those 20 points. 2 of 7 from the three-point line. Only two free throw attempts. But... Um, I just thought down the stretch that that they even were keeping it a game, and on one side he's covering LeBron, and on the other side he's essentially running the offense. I, I came away really impressed by that, and again, it, it speaks to what we talked about during the Eric Bledsoe podcast, that, okay, Chris is probably punching above his weight right here. like the Asking him to do those things, and the clutch is asking him to do too much, but at the same time, he, he does have these nights where he can do that. So um, slotting him down a little bit further and giving him maybe a, a workload that's a little bit more appropriate for his skill and talent range, I think you're going to see a, a nice little bump here from Chris. But yeah, 11 assists tonight that ties a career high. And then I was looking up nights that he's had more than seven assists or seven, seven or more assists, and going into this season, he had done it 25 times in his career. Uh, he has now done it four times in 10 games for the Bucks this year. Uh, nine against Atlanta, seven against Charlotte, seven against Detroit, and 11 tonight. Uh, 
So the, those those are very serious assist numbers, um, which which is just kind of strange to to think about because I, I think going in the end of the year we obviously think Chris is a solid creator, um, maybe a little underrated, but I, I couldn't imagine averaging over five assists per game and in nights of nine, seven, seven, and eleven uh, in four of the Bucks early season games. I, I think is a bit of a surprise there. Yeah, and um, I, I thought you know Malcolm Brogdon, the other guy that you know yeah. really I thought played played very well. Um, he had twenty two points, four out of six from three. Um, I, I feel like so often it feels like Malcolm has been sort of the bellwether of the good shooting nights from three, um, just because he's obviously uh, one of the guys who who maybe you know he's obviously a can be a playmaker but um he's obviously also a guy who often is is the guy on on the receiving end of of when um teams collapse on Giannis or Chris and obviously he hit some some very big shots tonight um uh, for 22 points six assists five rebounds two two turnovers um so you know again good to see him continue to play well we didn't really talk much about um or at least I didn't talk much about Bledsoe and and how he fits into sort of the starting lineup and, and the rotations. I know we talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of being able to pair Giannis and Chris when one of them is off the court with, you know, now one of either Brogdon or Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what's your take on, on starting? I mean, like, I, I will say this. In an ideal world, it might be the best case scenario where you start Brogdon and Snell bring Bledsoe off the bench bring Bledsoe in like you know six minutes into the game uh and then start to stagger you know your your pairings a bit and then finish the game with with Bledsoe and Brogdon so that you know you're still getting Bledsoe like 30 minutes a game or something like that which to be honest I mean and again I don't know if Eric Bledsoe would feel this way but given his injury history you know some of the knee concerns that we've talked about you know not giving him a huge workload is probably for the best um that said I don't expect Eric Bledsoe to come off the bench. Um, but what's your what's your thought on that? I mean, we, I think you said today when we were talking that, you know, you expect Bledsoe to start. But, um, I mean, would you consider starting Brogdon with Bledsoe? Or do you think it's too important to kind of stagger and have Tony be sort of that complimentary piece with the starters that you would definitely still start Tony regardless? Yeah, I think I'm starting Tony regardless. I think you have to make a tough decision on Brogdon or Bledsoe just because I don't like the idea of Tony coming off the bench um just because i i feel like so often early in games they're able to get him shots they're able to get him into the flow and i think you want to have that threat of a three-point shooter coming with Giannis uh right away from the jump that he's uh, immediately spacing the floor while if you go brogdon and bledsoe brogdon man another night where two three 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 threes off the dribble like that was that was awesome. Um, thing. That, that was a real thing tonight. So um, I think, as I think about it, I, I really like having Snell in that, and I don't know if you're going to get that same effect with Brogdon and Bledsoe. But from another standpoint, I think having him on the floor, I, I don't know if any team is going to be like, oh, man, I don't know if our bench unit can really handle Tony Snell coming off the bench. Like, I don't think that's that's a thing where if you're bringing Bledsoe or Brogdon, those two guys, with the improvement we've seen in Brogdon's playmaking and obviously what Bledsoe can do, if you're bringing those guys off the bench, like that is the next wave. That is that is a serious threat coming off the bench. And I think that makes a little bit more sense. Um, as far as... I I assumed you put Bledsoe into the starting lineup just because of 
probably the cachet that comes along with his name, uh, the contract that he has, the the. I would assume perception he has of himself that you want him uh, to be happy um, and to be that guy um, and allow him to be in the starting lineup. And obviously Malcolm has come off the bench before he's been able to uh, handle that in the past. Obviously it was only last year when he was a rookie. So maybe he's a little bit happier about that or more okay with that as a rookie. Um, But I, I just think the idea of having one of those guys come off the bench just really helps you and the idea that they can make plays. And uh, I think that helps a lot. Um, obviously there's a little bit of a concern fit with blood. So not being able to shoot in the same way that Brogdon can. Um, but uh, I just think by the end of the night, you get each of those guys 30 minutes a piece. And I think that maybe helps mitigate, some of the injury concern with each of them. I know uh, we talked about in the past, maybe part of the reason Brogdon falls to the Bucks is the foot problem. And I know, uh, I think Gary Wolfel wrote something about how that's something that the Bucks are co- still concerned with, that they're still worried about his foot going forward and uh, they're trying to limit him and give him nights off and stuff like that. Uh, so if you can limit Brogdon and you can limit Bledsoe, to 30 apiece and use them in creative ways, I, I think you still eliminate those deli minutes, those backup two minutes that are going to who knows. Um, and I think you're still able to use them effectively. Where, where are you at thinking one should start, one shouldn't start, or maybe they both start together? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably best for the overall sort of staggering to to bring one of them off the bench just because, you know, again, from a – you know, how many balls are there? You know, how many mouths do you have to feed uh, in the starting five? Um, you know, I don't want Malcolm just standing around doing nothing like he, he should have the ball at times and be playing both on and off ball. And um, obviously, if you're out there with Bledsoe and Giannis and Chris, um, you know, the role that's required of that position is is much more off ball spot up. And Tony's been, been just excellent in that regard. So um, I'd probably again, yeah, lean towards bringing Brogdon off the bench and just playing him crunch time with Bledsoe probably. Um, and, you know, again, I think the risk obviously is that Brogdon's been great as a starter here and you don't want to do anything to kind of throw him off. But also, you know, last year he was really good coming off the bench before he, he won the starting job. So, um, you know, I think Malcolm's personality, um, look, all these guys have egos, right? I mean, they, they, they expect big things like Malcolm's talked about wanting to be an all-star, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, hell, like I didn't really think of him ever in that way, but you know, you look at what he's doing early in the season. I mean, he's shooting (laughs) 49% from three, 50% from the field, um, averaging 16 points, five assists, um, per game. I mean, he's been really good and yep. um and it's kind of hard to to say like well that's not good enough you're just automatically going to go to the bench but um I, I would say that probably that makes sense at some point um i think it'll be interesting to see in game one you know what do they do um with Bledsoe presumably playing friday um you know maybe he has like a walkthrough or something like that i don't know if he's gonna have a real practice with the team ahead of that game but um at least i have a couple days off so would you actually start him in that game i feel like you know, that maybe would be a not, game you yeah. you bring him off the bench. And um, again, that, that to be honest, maybe his best role is like a really high minute bench guy. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting, you know, I mean, I think, I forget who did, some, somebody made some reference to, you know, like can Bledsoe be like an Iguodala-like addition where like he's kind of a veteran guy, he's a starter quality player, two-way player, um, but, you know, could he come off the bench and, okay, like, 
you know, it's weird to even compare where the Bucks are now <laughs> to to the Warriors, um, you know, dialing back to the time when they got Andre Iguodala. But, yeah. um, you know, let's not forget, they were trying to get Dwight Howard that summer and they struck out mm-hmm. and they end up dumping salary using future picks in order to be able to sign Andre Iguodala to a really big contract. I assume that was still, I think what, Iguodala played what, one year under Mark Jackson, I think, when they won, yeah. I think, 50 games that year. Um so again, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough to say exactly how the dynamic will work, but um, you know, a, a little bit obviously gets into politics. And I think the bottom line, though, is you know, again, the the more you can just marginalize the hell out of out of Telly and yep. try to get away from him playing minutes. You know, you've got ninety six minutes. Okay, two guard Delhi, if you ever throw a pass across the middle that almost gets Giannis's head taken off again, I'm coming after you personally. He had one of those. He had one of those the other day too. That was like a needle thread that ended up in like a Giannis dunk, I think. Um, but tonight it almost got him killed. It, it was a, a hospital ball, as uh, as some British soccer commentators might put it. Like, what on earth were you thinking? I, I I don't know if I've seen a worse pass from someone who's supposed to play point guard. Um, that that was so beyond awful. Continue whatever you were saying. I just need to get that off my chest because it infuriated. Me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, and and I think one other guy we who definitely deserves mention tonight, uh, Mirza Toledovic, sixteen points, hit four threes. Um, you know, again, unfortunately, the Bucks were playing from the front a little bit there in the kind of middle of the game, middle quarters. Um, in the fourth quarter, Mirza hit a couple, I think one one or two big threes to kind of keep them within touching distance. When the unfortunately the Cavaliers' second unit was really the one that gave them kind of control of the game in the fourth quarter before LeBron even came back. And obviously that's a huge frustration uh, if you're the Bucks. And um, so again, Mirza continuing to shoot the ball pretty well. Obviously he's going to be, you know, fit, pun intended, hit or miss, but he's up to 47% from three on the season. Um, so nice to see him doing that because unfortunately not much else from the bench. Jet gets got some random minutes tonight. I mean, I think I think we're sort of in that phase now with the Jet with Jet where like he gave them good minutes last year, surprisingly good minutes last year, and especially yeah, with Bledsoe coming. Yeah. yeah, especially with Bledsoe coming. Like I think this is a year where it's like Jet officially is just the 15th guy breaking case of emergency locker room guy. And, you know, next year, okay, we're, we're going to go a different direction probably, but, you know, shout out to Jet. We still love him. So, um, so yeah, some, some kind of weird, you know, typical weirdness there with, with random guys getting minutes. I thought Liggins gave them some good, some good defensive minutes, but actually tried to do things offensively when Kyle Corver just dared him to. And unfortunately he tried and failed. Um, so that was <laughs> how disrespectful was Kyle Corver? My God, he was he was a pass away as a help defender, and he was like, you know what, I'm just not going to cover you. Like, I, I'm literally one pass away. Uh, and to to continue that, I tweeted out essentially something like that that he was one pass away, and was just like, meh, do your worst. Uh, and some of the, our friends over from the Brew Who comment section, uh, Canada Bucks, Last Firstism, got into it a little bit, and were commenting on that as well and uh canada bucks willie armstrong said yeah worse than marquise daniels and if you know anything about marquise daniels it's that he searches his name on twitter (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) and he's gonna find that tweet and like give a weird response oh he did oh he did Uh, (laughs) he he found it and he went crying laughing emoji big smile crying laughing emoji big smile crying laughing crying laughing big smile crying laughing big smile uh back at at that one so um i thought that was pretty funny uh just that 
just this is why this is why we don't release transcripts of these podcasts because we don't <laughs> want Marquise Daniels to come find us. Um, yeah, sorry, I had to just tell that story because again, I think did Jeremy talk about that uh, on our old friends uh, podcast? Yeah, that I, I think he said I something about Marquise and, Daniels, and Marquise Daniels got mad or something like that. Yeah, and it, it's happened to me too. Um, so Marquise <laughs> Daniels definitely has um, uh, an alert set up on his phone if anybody mentions him on Twitter. Uh, he jumps to the ready and uh, I mean I guess in uh, I think when he does it he always like is sort of like he's not like confrontational per se so at least he's sort of like weirdly passive aggressive about it but, um, yeah I don't know so um, I think other statistical observations um, I thought the Bucks did at least get out in transition a little bit more tonight um, I thought defensively um, I don't did we are now I can't remember if we talked about this in the recorded part of this podcast or not but it was interesting to see them actually switch a few screens yep. um and you know did I don't to be honest like did it work a lot like LeBron just settled for jump shots against Thon a couple times and hit them you know but it's like Ooh, well, that might have been Thon's best defensive possession there's one in the fourth oh, quarter in the second where, half yeah he actually had he a got nice switched on the LeBron and contested a shot well and kept his hands off as LeBron was driving and I was like okay that's that's solid. Like that's what you're looking for. But yeah, it was because of a switch and maybe we'll start to see a little bit more of that. Obviously uh, that's something that we've been, we've been campaigning for uh, to see increased switches. Something that Jason Kidd mentioned uh, on media day before the season. I think something that Nate Duncan mentioned the other day on their podcast, as they were talking about uh, the Bucks defense. So maybe we'll see some more of that. Yeah. And, um, and on the topic of like switching and, and small ball and things like that, um, like w- what is the point of John Henson when when Kevin Love is on the court? Like, there's no, there is no. there any is there any reason to have a guy who doesn't who can't defend him outside? Henson is, I mean, Kevin Love. I mean, give credit to Kevin Love. I mean, he was great he was tonight. Really what thirty two yeah. points? Um, of course, this was by far his best performance of the season. So you know, the Bucks managed to make him look great yet again. Even though he he only had, was great for like a half in the first game, but he really set the tone in yeah. that first game in Milwaukee. Um, really going at the Bucks just by posting up. I, interestingly, Kevin Love in these two games, zero for three from from deep um and he's really just made all his money going to the basket getting fouls tonight eight offensive rebounds he matched the bucks who had eight offensive rebounds love had eight by himself which to be honest defensive rebounding has not really been a huge problem for the bucks this year um but tonight it was it just seemed like love was always under there tipping the ball out getting rebounds getting second chances um when the cavaliers missed and obviously that's you know again part of why they put up some sort of massive uh offensive rating despite the fact they didn't shoot great from deep so you know again i don't I, not that there's like one kind of obvious solution here to stopping kevin love but um i, I think i mean first off like did, did you find it's weird it's like the bucks always try to front the post it's like john henson like do you really need to front the post against kevin love i mean i know kevin love is strong and he's yeah. better than you whatever but like some of the stuff it's like because you when you front like you're constantly requiring the, the weak side to be, to be yeah to be to be paying attention and you know two point nining and trying to make sure that you don't get beat over top for a lob and you're jostling and you're more likely to get fouls. You know, part of me is just like, dude, just let him catch and try to burrow and whatever, and then just go straight up with your you know long arms and just force him to shoot over top of you. And if he makes it, fine. You know, it, it just kind of like the Bucks just again sort of just overcomplicating life for themselves and others in the pursuit of sort of making the first play more difficult but did Henson have a goaltend on the first play yes yes it was a pick and roll play and it was a super obvious goaltend part of me wonders like 
does he do like i just like after he does that is uh, is it like oh okay well i can't use my length tonight so i'm gonna jump much earlier on block like it was just such a confusing play like why on earth would you do it uh you're not setting a tone unless your tone is i'm gonna give you two points like that's not a tone to set I know that that was kind of the belief some guys it's used like to the have. Dwight Howard play, right? Like right, Golton, like, the first one, and yeah. and and then that's going to be difficult. Well, no, you just gave me two points. Like <laughs> that's that's cool. I'll, I'll put another one up there if you want to do that again. Um, I don't know. It, it was just strange, but yeah, it, fronting Kevin Love, I don't think does a, a heck of a lot, and uh, yeah, it just makes everyone have to work that much harder and be that much more focused and uh, fly around that much more. Yeah, and interesting, Henson only plays 18 minutes tonight. He has five fouls. Maker, 15 minutes. He has uh, only three fouls, but he, I think he had all three in the first quarter. Um, and so it was interesting when you add those up, only 33 minutes from the Buck Center. So they've got 15 minutes of non, you know, of small ball lineups, basically. We saw it, um, you know, in the start of the fourth quarter, we saw it with Giannis um, playing with Mirza has been kind of the most common sort of small ball configuration up front. Um, and to be honest, it's sort of one of these things is like, do I think Mirza Toledovic can guard Kevin Love? No. But part of me is like, I'd rather have Mirza Toledovic out there trying to guard Kevin Love than Henson just because at least Toledovich is going to be a threat from three and mm-hmm. Henson's just going to, well, I don't know, whatever it is John Henson theoretically does on offense. So um, again, we'll see, you know, um, it, I had to laugh when I saw uh, Gary Wolfel talking this way. He was what, tweeting about how trading Greg Monroe means the Bucks no longer have any good rebounders. And so how are they going to be good at defense? I was just kind of like, really? That's our concern that we traded Greg Monroe <laughs> and now the Bucks can't be good defensively. Like, I don't. I think the Bucks are going to have defensive problems, irrespective of you know Greg Monroe and his in his slow feet. Um, but uh, but anyway, I mean tonight it kind of just reiterated the fact that yes, as much as John Henson's had a solid start to the season, um, you know you are sort of playing with fire there, thinking that that he's going to be able to give you good minutes every night. So um, again, we continue to wait for Thon to see if he can do that, but. You know, uh, I was glad we at least saw more small ball minutes. I, we'll have to look at the uh, popcornmachine.net uh, game flow to see how those lineups did. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, early in the fourth, they, they were not able to stay in the game. Part of that was with Giannis, and he got subbed out briefly. But um, I, I don't know. We'll see. So I think I'm done, Eric. I was just going to say the same thing. I, I am definitely done with this one. Uh, Bucks lose 124-119 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, uh, yeah, uh, looking through the stats, there's some good ones. 40 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists, 4 blocks for Giannis Dettacumbo tonight on just 21 shots somehow, which seems impossible. Uh, Chris Middleton, 20 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. Malcolm Brogdon, 22 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, all for naught as the Bucks lose 124-119 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's going to be it for us for today. You have gotten entirely too much from us today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, though, so hopefully you've gotten a chance to listen to our Eric Bledsoe reaction. And like we said uh, on that podcast, if you have questions that you feel we didn't answer, I know we covered another one during this podcast, but if there's anything you feel like we didn't answer, shoot us a tweet. Uh, I don't even know how else people can get in contact with Just shoot us a tweet. Um, locked, I, I, on, locked on bucks at gmail.com. Okay, email us. That, that gives you, I guess, a long-form opportunity. I didn't even think yes. about that. But I guess you have 280 characters at this point now on Twitter, so I can't imagine you have uh, questions much longer than that. But if you do, 
lockdownbucks at gmail.com. Uh, send all that stuff there, and then maybe we can clean some of that up tomorrow and get ready for a back-to-back Friday-Saturday uh, set here for the Milwaukee Bucks. So we'll do all of that in the coming days. A reminder, tonight's episode was brought to you by Draft. Our friends over at Draft have a wonderful promo code for you. It's L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O. Bucks, and that promo code will get you a free play on your first deposit at Draft. And remember, Draft is daily fantasy basketball, live snake drafts. It's simple. Drafts take about five minutes. You record it, you're out, and then you're just going to watch your team for that night. It's so simple. And we will do that tomorrow. So be sure to be on the lookout during the day for a draft league for tomorrow night's games on our Draft Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening. That was Frank Mann. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.